good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to see the faces of everybody. And uh, this, I, I hope y'all are ready to dig in the Bible a little bit today. Because we're not just going to sit in one passage. You know, a lot of times I'll do an expository sermon. I'll, I'll get it all out of one passage. I just couldn't help myself this time. So uh, pray the Lord that it's clear. And y'all, y'all try to follow along with me in these passages. Because I, I want to share something with you this morning. Look over in uh, Mark chapter number 8. Y'all might recognize this from a few weeks back, but we're not going to be doing the same sermon this morning. We're going to be looking at a different aspect of that sermon, of that passage. Mark chapter number 8. You know, sometimes you, you, you read some things in the Bible or you read a passage and just a phrase will stand out to you. It'll just grab a hold of you. Y'all ever had that happen? You know, being a preacher, it's like, oh, that's a good title. And then you get to digging in, and it's like, oh, well, it actually says something else. You know, you thought you had the sermon all written out in your mind. Oh, this, this, and this, all the points and everything. And you get to studying God's word, and God said, no, this is what I was trying to say. But uh, this one's been on my mind, I guess, for a number of years ever since I read this. But let me just take you there, starting in uh, verse 22. And the Bible says, and he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And verse 24, and this is the one, I'm going to jump off of this like a springboard here. Verse 24, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, i just like to let y'all know ahead of time. I'm going to take a verse and take a fit here, but we're going to stay in the Bible. Y'all understand? I've heard so much criticism of that, and I've seen preachers that they grab a hold of a verse, and man, they'll preach a whole sermon, and that verse was the only time they opened the Bible. Y'all ever been around that? All right. Well, man, already the looks. Let's go. I'm picking on you. He looked up and you'll have to deal with it. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. So what I'd like us to do this morning, the blind man on his first touch from Jesus, he asked him if he saw it. He said, I see men as trees walking. Now, that's an odd thing, right? I saw a, I saw a man break it down and said, well, they would have been carrying trees and stuff like that. And he would have seen the mixture of legs and trees going down the road. And that's what he's saying and seeing. Yeah, OK. You know, and he probably wore a size 10 shoe, too. Who cares? But the fact is, I see men as trees walking. And this got me to thinking years ago. And, and I thought on it more here for this sermon. Thank goodness. And uh Long ago when I first read this, and, and I, I love the way the Bible paints pictures. And back when I used to preach, I would paint, I would preach pictures, not just do expository, but I would grab that man and I'd go with it. I still have a sermon on the on being a lighthouse, right? Maybe I'll preach that one day, maybe not. I grabbed a sermon one time, me and brother David Walker, we still joke about it. Uh, God's lawnmowers. That was the only sermon I stole outright where I just printed it and preached it in the pulpit because I had to work or whatever. And it, you know, I was just at Brother Grady's church. That's all beside the point. My mind's a little bit off today. 
Y'all stay with me, though. You're going to have to stay with me. But I see the pictures in the Bible. I see Moses, and I see the types, and I see Jesus Christ. And I remember the first time reading Acts chapter number 7, and Stephen is up there in front of the Sanhedrin, and he's going all through the history of them. I'm reading that, and he talks about how Joseph was sent away from his family, or his family, his brothers rejected him, and how he rose up to be on the right hand of Pharaoh. And I said, man, so... Pharaoh was a type of God. Moses is a type of Jesus Christ sitting on the right hand of Pharaoh. Y'all chew on that later. But uh, you'd see these types in the Old Testament, and it made the Bible real to me. You know, because if all you see in the Bible, if all you see is just these disjointed stories, and you see this history text, and you see... Well, this happened at this time, and he wore a size 10 shoe, and they would have used leather from this region, and the, the, the temple of God would have been built with stone, and the masons would have used this kind of tool to do it and all of that. You can talk about the Bible a long time and not talk about the Bible. So I see these types, and I see these pictures, and somebody told me one time, and, and you can believe me or not, but somebody told me one time that the Bible is one single book all the way through. Somebody else told me it's 66 books put together. I'm telling you it's both. I'm telling you my God can, can take those 66 books. He can take those over 40 authors. He can take those 1,200 years. He can take those countless moments, those countless tears, and he can put them together in a book, and he can weave them all together. And if, you, if you're not coming to, re, to hear our study on revolution, if you're not, revelation, and, and we're, we're doing it on Zoom, I don't know how to make it any easier. We got a link you push, and I send out the number beforehand. But you, you join us on Zoom, you'll find out all of that. Revelation just ties it all together. So I'm telling you all of this, and you're saying, where are you going, Brother Keith? I'm going on a long road here. But you... you, you Look in the Bible and you begin to see things. So it's not so strange when you look in there and you say, I see men as trees walking. When I say, when I saw, I see men as trees walking, my mind went to several passages. And I began to see men as trees walking. And more specifically, I began to see our Christian walk as a tree. Y'all follow me on that? So all I'm asking you to do is just follow me on this picture today. We're just going to paint a picture, but we're going to use the Bible. And I just want to share with you what was in my mind when I saw men as trees walking. Not long ago, I was reading in Job and came across a passage that spoke about how brief man's life is on earth. And then he compared it to the life of a tree. This is what got me thinking on this. He said... He was talking about how man dies and goes into the ground. And he said, but there's hope for a tree that even though it may seem to die, it might sprout again and grow. So if you would turn with me in your Bible to Job, Job chapter 14. And that's right before Psalms. If you split your Bible in half and go left, you'll hit it. Job chapter 14. So these passages are not necessarily related, but it's, it's a topical sermon. 
And I saw this passage, and Job said in verses one through uh, in verses one through two, he said, "Man that is born of a woman is a few days, and full of trouble." We know that verse. Job chapter fourteen, verse number one, it says, "Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble." Amen. And if he's with the wrong woman, it could be full of trouble the whole time. <laughs> I'm just picking. I'm checking y'all. I'm keeping you awake here. Verse number two. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. Now he says man, but we know woman's included in that, mankind. He said he cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. And there's our life, you know. We've got this whole line of eternity and we've got this dot of our life. And we've got that dash between the beginning and the end of our life. And that is so small in comparison to eternity. And it's so small in comparison to time that even though our lives are the most important thing to us, on the scope of things, it's like a flower that just withers in the morning and it's cut down. Look at verse number seven. And this is what grabbed me here when I read it. He said, for there is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Now I read that and I read past that and I said, wait a minute, what was that? And I stepped back just a second. I said, for there is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again <coughs> and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Now, we skip to it to keep from getting caught in the weeds, but he says, though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth bows like a plant. Let me just paint the picture for you, friends. When the tree dies and it falls over, you ever seen the buds come out of that tree? You ever see that tree begin to grow in a whole different way, even though it, it was dead? But there's a hope that water hits it and just it begins to bud and to bring forth life. And he's saying in comparison to man, man goes into the dirt. That's it. He's gone. But there's hope for a tree that it'll bring forth life. And he says, yet through this verse number nine, yet through the sin of water, it will bud and bring forth bows like a Bows like a plant, but man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? I'm not going to leave you there. See, Job asked the question over in verse number 14. Look at that. In Job 14, he, or, uh, yeah, Job 14, 14, he says, If a man die, shall he live again? I tell you, my preacher mind went on that and said, Yeah. Yeah. He said, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Oh, man, my mind went over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Or that was 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. In a moment in a twinkling of an eye. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I'm telling you, the preacher mind can go. And your mind will go too, right? And he says, um, all the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call and I will answer thee. Oh, man, the mind shot off to the last trump. So sound, you know, we'll hear the trumpet. We'll rise up. I hear, I'm seeing the rapture already when Job is talking. He said, thou shalt call and I will answer thee. I'm seeing myself here on earth. Yea, Lord, what will you have me to do? He said, thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. 
We are the work of his hands. So he asked the question, if a man dies, shall he live again? Job asked that question. He's at one of the darkest points in his life. And he says, if a man die, will he live again? But he doesn't know the answer. We know what the answer to that question is. See, John tells us as Christians, he says over in 1 John chapter number 5, verses 11 through 13, he says, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life and that this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. <clears throat> so when I looked at that verse, number seven, and I read it again, and it said, for there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. You know what I heard in my mind? I see men as trees walking. Because there is hope for us We'll sprout again in eternity. We'll sprout again at the rapture. And so when you start thinking of men as trees walking, there's just some passages that come to mind. See, in a way, we do have the same hope as a tree. So I'd like you to just stick with me as we look at a few passage, passages. They aren't necessarily related, but they come to mind. And I hope that you, like me, when you read The Blind Man, and we can just see it the way he sees it. He says, I see men as trees walking. So when we think about this, it says, Jesus had told, uh, I'm just throwing this in out of random, but Jesus had told Nicodemus, he said, if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Jesus used parables and pictures. But uh, over in Luke chapter number 8, Luke chapter number 8. See, a tree starts out as a simple seed. It's planted in the ground, and it begins to bud. Now, I debated telling you all this illustration, because I'm kind of slack sometimes. But there was a weed in my yard. Y'all know how this is going already, right? And I'd walk by and I'd say, I need to pull that weed. It was kind of in the fence, you know. And I uh, went over there to pull it one day. It had thorns. It's like, well, I need to get gloves and pull the weed. But it just wasn't that big a deal. That weed, it began to grow. I'm not bragging. Y'all think what you want about me. I'm not bragging. I know y'all have never done this. I'd go to work, and it's like, I need to pull that weed. I need to pull that weed. I come home, I go the next day, and, well, and then after a while, I need to cut that stick down. <laughs> but I got to get to work. And then I get home, and I forget all about it, you know. Cut the grass, well, I need to do something about that. Well, it's got thorns, I'll get some gloves, I'll pull it. This is what happens when you, never mind, when your mind gets scattered. So, over time, what started out is just that little weed just a little seed in the ground. Over time, it grew. And that little joker got high as my tree. You know, We cut it down recently. But it took a lot more to get it down after that. But you, you watch that thing grow, and it just starts out small. You know, just a little thing. 
And over here in Luke chapter 8, when Jesus is given, he, he gives it out in parables to them. You know, that seeing they might not see, hearing they might not hear. Those that don't want to hear him, he makes it so that they don't hear him. And he does that, God does that with his word. People that go into the Bible and they say, well, it's just full of genocide and it's full of all kinds of things. It's like, yeah, hang up on that. Go ahead. Miss out on God's grace. Miss out on eternity. Miss out on being on God's side. Miss out on being able to turn to the Lord in prayer. Miss out on the fellowship of God's people. Miss out on all of that stuff because you want to hang up on this and God will show it to you. But here he tells them, he gives them a parable, verse number four. And when much people were gathered together and they were come out to him every day of the city, he spake by a parable. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. All right, so you know the story, and I'm not going to sit here and preach four sermons. He tells them about the seed, and the sower throws out the seed, and some fell upon the rock, and some fell upon the thorns. Other fell on good ground. And they were asking the question, well, what is this? And then in verse number 11, he says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Now, when you preach that, you say, yeah, the seed is the word of God. You, you get the gospel out there, and these are the kind of hearts that it falls on. There's the seed thrown by the wayside. You put out the gospel track, and you can go through the whole thing and tie it into winning people to the Lord. But you know, Christian, it doesn't stop there. The word of God gets seeded into your heart, even after you're saved. You're sitting in the service, and God starts speaking to you, and he starts grabbing you in the heart, and that seed gets planted down. And you know, you receive it the same way. And all the same different ways. He said, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now here in the context of the passage, he is talking about those that are lost and being saved by the word of God. But devotionally, you can apply it to your heart. When God shows you something, does the devil come and take it away? He said, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Verse number 13, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. No root. You know, it's, it, I showed up for church. I heard it. But, you know, I don't really have a prayer life. I don't have a devotional life. I, I'm, I'm not really reading the word of God. It doesn't take root. It, it doesn't have a chance to. You know, it, it hits you, and you receive it, and, and you're joyful, but it just doesn't have any root in you. And he said, and that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no, bring no fruit to perfection. There's people in church right now, they're more worried about what's going on in the world than they are their relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with the Lord. And it, it begins to grow. God's word begins to grow. How many people, you know, it's a, I'm scattered a little bit. I'm thinking of Oliver B. Green in one of his sermons, one of the old preachers from the 60s. He talked about the man, he'd go down to the altar, go down to the, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And he said, you know, them older preachers, they can get away with things. 
And every revival meeting, that church member would go up there and he'd say, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, fill me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. And they'd have another revival meeting and the man would go up there and say, Lord, forgive me, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Just take me. And he said, that old preacher come up behind him, put his hand on him and said, Don't fill him, Lord. He leaks. <laughs> Are you leaking? <laughs> Old preachers can get away with that. Verse number 15, But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. You know, it doesn't just stop with those that are lost. It, it goes on as a Christian. So, see in men as trees... There's the planted tree. Like that little weed. <laughs> it was a tree, in fact. The good ground, the soft soil, the clods broken up, rocks removed, and dirt's nice and loose, ready to receive the water, ready to receive the word of God. So we see the planted tree, and then there's the growing tree. A tree not only needs good soil, which is your heart, but it also needs good water in order to grow. I tell you, I'm just throwing these out here. This is where the preacher's mind goes. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Are you going to be a tree that drinks? From Jesus Christ. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And there's the picture painted. And then John tells us what the picture is. The Bible defines itself. It says, but this, he sp- this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. If you're going to see men as trees, you're going to see them planted. You're going to see them. Drinking the water in. Plant it in the good ground. Look at, uh, and you're going to see the ground. Look in Psalm chapter number one. I just want to remind y'all, I like staying in a passage. Topical. It's like getting out in the ocean and swimming around and making it up as you go. But when I saw this, this is is how my mind just put it together, knowing all these different passages and what God showed me. It just, Psalm chapter 1, verse number 1, it said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know what it says in verse number three there? About the blessed man, it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You ever seen a tree starve of water? It just dries up. The blessed man be like a tree planted by a river of water where that water is just constantly being refreshed. It's not stagnant. 
but it's flowing. The Holy Spirit of God just flowing, just filling you constantly. And when you, when you don't quench the Spirit, when you walk with the Lord, and that, it just refreshes you and teaches you and helps you to grow. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. So Psalm 1 compares the blessed man to a healthy tree that's planted by flowing waters. And it matters where you plant it. See, the blessed man walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand with sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. And he's pictured as a tree flowing, planted by the rivers of water. Bringing forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Jeremiah says the same type of thing. You know, I'm not making it up as I go. You just see it. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 through 8, he said, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. That adds a little element, doesn't it? When you're planted by the rivers of water, when you're refreshed by the Holy Spirit, those times of drought, those times when you're around people that aren't building you up, or those times of when you're alone. And we just got to it today in Sunday school where David was there in Ziklag. They come back and all the family's gone and all the wives are gone and all the children and all their goods. And everybody's ready to stone David for taking them to the Philistines, for living among the Philistines. They're ready to stone David. Because of where he put them. And it said David encouraged himself in the Lord. If that's a time of drought, I don't know what it is. If that's not a time of drought, (coughs) David encouraged himself in the Lord. He's a tree planted by the waters. Now, a healthy growing tree, you know, bears fruit. When we lived in Thomasville, Georgia, and, uh, This was my first time really living in Georgia. We were working our way back. We split the trip every time we moved. It was 16 hours from here to my in-laws, and then we moved to Alabama. Then it was eight hours to get to my in-laws. And then when we moved to Thomasville, Georgia, it was four hours to get to my in-laws. And then we moved to Warner Robins, Georgia. It was two hours to get to my in-laws. Then we ended up living with them. None of that's the point. That's just to distract you a little bit. But down in Thomasville, Georgia, in the trailer we were staying in, there was a tree right outside the door. And I didn't know anything about trees. I still don't. I just know I want to be like one. But that tree was out by the door, and it was a peach tree, if I remember right. And it's like, man, we're going to get peaches? That's awesome. And uh, the time came, and it would... It would bear a fruit, but it wasn't worth eating. It, it just wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. I found out later, years later, you know, when we, when we were living in Statesboro and Brother Minnick, he had his pecan. No, I'm going to say it like you're supposed to say it. He had his pecan grove, just to aggravate y'all. 
but he had his pecan grove, and he would he would allow Didi and me and the kids, you know, he'd say, "Go ahead and get you some." Man, we had the rollers, you know, with the wire basket. He'd roll that thing, and we were dumping them, and he'd let us get all we needed because it was helping us. We just didn't have much. And you get out there, and man, Dee would work while I was working at the other job, and uh, man, she she got good. She'd fill up them coolers. We learned all about what they were looking for, you know. And we'd take them up to the pecan place and uh, sell them to them. You know, and they'd buy the bag. I mean, man, come home with forty-five dollars, fifty dollars. You know, was, we we got extra out of that. But you know, there's something about Brother Minnick's orchard because when we went to a friend of ours' orchard, or they had pecan trees, and there just wasn't quite as much there. It wasn't quite as easy to get pecans. You know, they kind of rot on the ground, or it, it just wasn't as readily available. Well, see, Mr. Minnick would trim his pecan trees and he would keep them cut back and he would take off the unhealthy wood and he would take off those things that were, that were hurting it. You know, he would prune them back. And man, when it was time, those things would just drop them like crazy. I mean, you go out there every day and get some. And, uh, but there are some trees that bear good fruit and there are some trees that bear bad fruit. Over in Matthew chapter 7. You don't have to go there. Well, yeah, you do. Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. I'm looking at the clock, but at the same time, I really don't care about it. Over in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 15. says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Talking about people that are going to lead the sheep away, that are going to hurt them. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. You know, the only thing, one of the, one of the bad things that comes out of this passage is the fruit inspectors. You know, the people that look at your life and they say, well, he's not bearing fruit in his life. He must not be saved. He must not be doing this. He must not be doing that. And it might be true. You might be having a hard time, or somebody might be having a hard time. Yeah, whether it's you or whether it's somebody else, you've got to be careful looking over at the other fruit. Because Matthew chapter 7 is also one of the lost people's favorite verses. He says, verse number 1, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. But there is a fact of the matter, there's evil people, and you can tell them by the fruits that they bear. Now, when we talk about the fruit in a Christian's life, and that's where we're going to go, I just wanted to put out that warning about being a fruit inspector, about always looking at other people's lives when you got a beam in your own eye. But you still need to look at your own life. Am I bearing fruit? Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. It's like, 
well, what kind of fruit are you talking about? Are you talking about leading people to the Lord? Well, that devotionally, yeah, that's good. You're leading people to the Lord, that's good. Look over in Galatians chapter number five, though, and see what the Bible says about fruit. Over in Galatians chapter number five, Paul lists out for us, and he's the apostle to the Gentiles, and Paul lists these things out for us. And notice that fruit here is singular. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, but they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, yeah, inspecting somebody else's fruit, okay. Well, what about in your own life? You know, the things that you find, because when you look at the other things, it's quite a list. And uh, this I say then, walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one to the other. And he lists off, verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, and you go on and on. That makes it pretty clear. But in your own life as a Christian, you want to bear fruit, these things. And, and so when you look at the contrary, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Do you have peace? Do you have patience? Do you have long-suffering? Do you have gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Worrying about somebody else's fruit. What about in your own life? And you know, the thing about a tree, because the whole sermon, the whole topic, is seeing men as trees walking. Planted by the rivers of water, the seed taking root in your heart. Amen? Planted by the rivers of water. And, and, and avoiding the walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, standing not with the unrighteous, sitting not in the seat of the scornful, but then bearing fruit, a healthy tree bears good fruit, but how does it do it? And you know, the thing is, a tree, I'm just carrying this through. A tree doesn't go to school to be a tree. I know this is weird. I know this is contrary. I'm, telling, I'm trying to tell you to learn the word of God, and you should, and you need to. And I'm not telling you not to. But I'm telling you, when it comes to your spiritual walk, there's something that needs to take place. And I'm going to show you here, so don't, don't get lost on this. But, you know, the tree doesn't sit over there and say, oh, I'm going to bear fruit. And you know something else? The apple tree doesn't sit over there and say, well, I'm going to bear oranges. And the orange tree doesn't say, well, I'm going to be a peach tree. It just doesn't work. And that's not how it works. That tree, and it doesn't happen overnight, that tree is planted. It's watered. It gets the sunlight. It, 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 it just is, right? I see you. I'm losing you. But turn over to John 15, I'll get you back. Because I've asked myself this. How do you, how do you bear fruit? And I've heard this preaching. You know, you're not bearing fruit. You're not winning people to the Lord. Well, you should. Devotionally, you should. There's no doubt. But when it comes in your own life, 
There's something that takes place. You can be beat to death for all the things that you aren't doing, but there's something that you need to do in your own walk with Jesus Christ. There's something that you need to do in order to bear fruit. And it's not how you make yourself become, but it's what you do. It may be confusing. Let's just read this and let's get to it. Take the mystery out of it. Jesus says in verse number one of John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. And then remember, these are pictures. So pictures don't always carry out all the way, right? It changes a little bit. But it's a picture. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth that it may bring forth more fruit. That's where that illustration, Brother Menon's Orchard, comes in. He kept that, he, he would purge it so they could bear more fruit. You know, he would, he would trim it. He said, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And then verse number four, and this is important. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, look what happens. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and, gather, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. I remember a long time ago when I read that, and I said, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to force everything. And then there are things to do, right? There's places to avoid. There's changes to make in your life to keep you from falling into that besetting sin, to keep you from constantly tripping over those same things, to keep you from having to go to the altar and say, Lord, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, please forgive me. There's things that you can put in your life to quit blocking your fellowship with Jesus Christ But the most important thing that you're going to do, if you're going to bear fruit for the Lord, if you're going to see the peace of God in your life, if you're going to see people come to the Lord, is to abide in Jesus Christ. So many sermons I've heard have said, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. And they're not wrong. But if you leave Jesus Christ out of the equation, you're just going to be a dry branch sitting in the middle of a desert. You're going to go dry. Your life is going to wither. But if you stay planted with Jesus Christ, if your life stays close to Jesus Christ, if you read God's word, if you pray to God, call out to him. And if you walk with the Lord, you abide in Jesus Christ. He'll help you bear the fruit. You'll see the peace in your life. You'll have a love for your Christian fellow Christians. I knew a man, pastor at a church. I keep saying this. It just keeps coming up. Sometimes things are just stuck in your head, right, for a little while. Brother Grady. Brother Grady, they're doing this. Brother Keith, you just have to love them. 
And that wasn't Brother Grady saying, well, I'm going to make myself love him. That was Brother Grady saying, you know, Jesus forgave me for a lot of things. And Brother Key, you're just going to have to love him and let the Lord change him. He wasn't a fruit inspector. But he understood the difference between good fruit and bad fruit. Ephesians chapter number 3, and this is the last one. Verses 17 through 18 says that Christ may dwell in you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. You want to learn more about the Lord? You want to bear fruit? You need to be planted. You need to abide in Jesus Christ.